have this friendly against Latvia, which is a little bit of a nothing game. It could be interesting that game now, if it is the case that this is when Evan Ferguson starts, and maybe that's his chance. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts, and download the OTB Sports app. Football on Off The Ball With Sky Get all the football you love in one place Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports Welcome along to Tuesday Night's Football Show Richie McCormick here with you tonight on till 10pm Second half is uh, nearly getting underway uh, there was a uh, four minutes, five minutes of added time at St Mary's in the first leg of the Carabao Cup quarterfinal. Southampton nil, Newcastle nil. Uh, the biggest incident, I suppose, in the first half being Nick Pope coming out and clearing out Musa Gineppo and nearly knocking the poor devil out as well. Scoreless it remains though at St Mary's as we await the second half to get underway. We'll be talking Juventus with Daniele Fisichella and the latest scandal engulfing the Bianconeri and their 15-point deduction in Syria. That's all to come in this hour. But uh, Dan McDonald joins us in studio tonight and we've just been commenting on how well Charlie O'Leary looks because Paul McGrath has tweeted out a photo in the last few minutes um, of himself meeting up with Charlie O'Leary. You might remember him, the diminutive kit man mm. for the classic Charlton years uh, of the Republic of Ireland. 99 uh, next week, according to Paul, will Charlie be and looks remarkably well, remarkably fit and healthy. And yeah, just a, an incredible character you were saying off oh, air in terms of football. Yeah, like, I mean, uh, he, he would have been at the uh, the Soccer Writers Awards uh, dinner, which was the weekend before last. And um, yeah, like he, he sort of, uh, uh, sort of his life in football, he, people talk about, and, and very naturally as you do, like, you know, the go-to line is Charlie O'Leary is, you know, you know Jack Charlton's kit man and and sort of this figure around the camp below but they met the pope and he was yeah, yeah. sort of to the to the fore but he was also a referee um he played and then he was a referee at various levels he was you know heavily involved in sort of administration in terms of uh the Leinster um Leinster FA I, I did a piece a while back before Christmas um for the FA Cup final last year actually a very sad story in 1997 it was uh, when Conor O'Dowd uh, the brother of the then Derry City keeper Tony passed away before the cup final and Tony Senior and, and like Greg would have played League of Ireland one of the other sons like yeah. a big League of Ireland family I was just chatting away to, to you know doing a piece about that very very difficult time in their life and Tony Senior mentioned it was Charlie O'Leary who helped them at that stage, got him involved in football administration, and um, yeah, just just someone who's, whose name just comes up in a lot of different contexts, not just sort of uh, in the most obvious way that you mentioned there, but yeah, yeah incredible, like uh, fighting fit. I, I spoke to him. This is the thing. Like I, I spoke to him a couple of years back during COVID for a piece, and I actually can't remember hundred percent what it was about, but he probably would remember. More so than me, like you know, he's he's, he's really sharp. You know, remains yeah. incredibly sharp. I think it probably would have been around the time that Jack Charlton passed away, obviously, and and uh, getting some of his recollections. He'd won an, an, a lifetime achievement kind of thing from the FAI, or been I think awarded something like that around that time too, wasn't it? Yeah, you're right. Actually, yeah, no, he's. I mean, he is just an extraordinary character, um, and sort of, uh, yeah, no, it's great to see him with uh, with Paul McGrath and yeah. the the for all that. You know, in some ways, and I would I would say this myself sometimes. Like you know, we we remain in the sort of the shadow of Italian ninety nostalgia sometimes yeah. when we talk about football in this country and debate where we are today. And it's almost unfair sometimes. It's hanging over. It's still like for people of a certain age or now lucky enough to always remember it all. You just see that photo and you think, ah, oh. yeah. It's lovely. It's a lovely picture, by the way. Paul McGrath tweeted it. Vincent Hogan uh, has retweeted it as well this evening. Um, 
we'll go to a good news story. I think start with last night. Well, not good news if you're an Aberdeen supporter, or if, indeed for the managerial prospects of of a, what we was what was described as potentially a, a future Republic of Ireland manager. Well, certainly a dark moment for him, but a lovely moment in the history of Darvel, who operate out of the Lowland League in Scotland, uh, and. Um, knocked out Aberdeen out of the Scottish Cup last night with a 1-0 victory. Yeah, the sixth tier, yeah. Are they even like... Yeah, I don't the, think it's Lowland League, actually. I think No, they're not. Lowland is the... The, the next th- tier up. They missed out on that. It's the West of Scotland League Premier Division. Yeah, because apparently yeah. The, the Lowland League in Scotland is full of like reserve teams and there's yeah. some... They're, they're it's, uh, excluding... Uh, like, uh, Darvel, I think, actually, are a little bit better than their status would suggest, but it seems like there's some mad Scottish football bureaucracy or something that prevents them from getting the promotion that they should. But still, I mean... Um, and this is a town of a very small population, um, uh, a team with like a stand with like, you know, I don't know, 60 or 80 seats or something yeah. who beat Aberdeen. And um, I mean, Aberdeen are a club with a proper fan base. They had, you know, 700 travelling fans. And I think they're, I mean, they're, they're, they're describing it. But it's more probably from a maybe a betting perspective. People try and judge this now, like the biggest shock in the history of the Scottish Cup. Like incredible. And I mean, uh, yeah, it's, we are talking about it here. What drew me to it, unfortunately, was the fact that Jim, Jim Goodwin yeah. is the manager. You know, he has the old uh, the Wikipedia Jim can't buy a win uh, as he was changed at one point last night, and it's in that because like Scotland can be relentlessly like Scotland could be really cruel yeah. you know like the Scottish media spotlight when it goes against you can be particularly harsh you know um, and we've uh, we've had ser- several Irish managers go over from here you know Stephen Kenny like Pat Fenlon oh, yeah. um, who probably experienced um that side of things at times I mean how they cover their football there is intense like we might think you know it's just Celtic and Rangers but it's not like if you're in Scotland there's just blanket coverage of other teams in particular the likes of Aberdeen Hibs Hearts so the next for th- tranche down from the top yeah, yeah so for them to lose to a team uh, like that um, is sort of unthinkable yeah. You know, it's unthinkable. Like I remember Aberdeen when they lost to to Bowes, which is a fond yes, recollection indeed, for yourself. Yeah. Um, back in what two thousand and one was it? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, like that was I remember the huge travelling support in Dublin, and one, yeah. like the expectancy was was massive. And um, yeah, but for Pearl Jim Goodwin, who went from St Mirren to to Aberdeen, it was a sort of a making that step upwards. Like very impressive character. I think he's been on this show before. Had done well, very well at St Mirren. He was at Alloway, yeah. well, like as a part-time sort of football manager for a while in this in the Scottish, you know, their third division effectively, and built himself up and was on this trajectory. But sometimes you see. I think in Scotland you do get to, and this isn't to excuse him at all. He's obviously under a bit of pressure, big time. But you, you probably get to those slightly bigger clubs. But then, okay, what, how much can you do? So you, you know, you can. It, you have to do exceptionally well, maybe, to really enhance your reputation, as some managers have. Yeah. But for whatever reason, at Aberdeen, it just doesn't seem to be clicking. They lost five 0 the weekend. And just reading the Scottish press stuff last night, it's almost the line was you just can't recover from this. Like, but yeah, you just it cannot it's, recover. It almost has that air of when Celtic lost to Inverness, Caledonia, Thistle. Yes, in that that was the seen as a bottoming out point for Celtic at that point, and that there was no recovery. I think John Barnes was in, was in charge at the time. I then. think you're right. Was that the John Barnes sort of Kenny Dalglish yeah. sort of team? And yeah. it felt like that was the that was as low as it was going to get, and there was going to be no. Yeah, and like Aberdeen, are, I think they're you know they they have been up around the top half of the table, but they're just, I mean, they seem to be toiling of late. And yeah, like I suppose, I mean, I, I sort of mentioned like you mentioned someone like Stephen Kenny or whatever. Like 
I suppose part of the managerial experience is to to fail at a club. Yeah. You know, uh, sometimes they say like when your graph has been going up and up and up and up and up, then like sometimes this is the real like character building experience. But I mean, it's just a, a catastrophically bad <coughs> thing to happen. And and just looking at the pitch, the surroundings. I mean, maybe you watch football here. Maybe it's not that bad, really. Like we're used to sort of looking at idiosyncratic grounds. But like, yeah, for them, it's as it's as low as it gets, and it's uh, yeah, it's punch bag territory. One win in nine for Aberdeen now at this stage. Uh, their only victory recently coming in the Premier Division against St. Johnson. They are fifth, which isn't yeah, disastrous entirely. But when you're in that rut, it is very difficult to see how that kind of run of games and run of defeats, as it has been three in a row now, kind of comes to a close. Yeah, and uh, just reading the reports as well, like you lose 5 0 the weekend, I think it was the Hearts. Hearts yeah. And then it's a case of, okay, you know, g- give us your reaction to this and you appear to be outworked yeah. by a team a pretty modest team um, uh, it's just of all the countries for it to happen you know you just God, like yeah. if he's managing if he's managing a, a team in, in League 1 and a star is on the rise and okay, you're get, you get knocked out of the FA Cup by a team non-league yeah it's, it's bad but it's it's just it's a, another level. It's like national scrutiny there. Yeah. Um. Like this morning in Scotland, they are the laughing stock, and you are the face of that. And like that is that's tough. Yeah. Having a scan on social media, there it seems to be a case of they're kind of waiting for the the axe to fall on Jim Goldman. But on the other side of that, of course, a fantastic moment from Mick Kennedy, and actually Mick Kennedy, the Darwin manager, his pre-match speech was caught by the microphones and indeed uh, the press uh, just before kickoff last night in that Scottish Cup tie. The next 90 minutes will probably be the most important 90 minutes in your career. All right? I've read up the day that the average man lives to about 77. All right? 40 million minutes in his life. All right? I'm asking you to gear absolute utmost for the next 90. 90 minutes out of 40 million. Right? That's all I'm asking for. So when that whistle goes, be prepared to give everything you've got for each other, for yourself, for your family. Be proud of what you achieved and be proud of what we're going to achieve. Because I promise you right now, we can win this. But it's about belief. That belief starts inside yourself, then it spreads through one another. But you must believe. People talk about underdogs, I'm telling you right now we're no underdogs. I do not believe that. I've never believed it for the draw has been done. Because I know what's in the change room, I know what's in your hearts, I know when we're together. We can achieve it and we say I meant it. But you've got to be hungry, you've got to have the desire in your belly. You've got to draw strength for the crowd. You've got to drop for one another. When you need to find that extra yard, that extra bit of oxygen, then look around about you. Look to your brothers. Look to your family. Let's look to the next round. Let's go. I wonder they went out and beat Aberdeen after Great that. Speech. Sort of brave heart esque really, isn't it? Well, Anthony in Scottish accent. Yeah, it just makes you think. Like 40 million minutes. Yeah. It's a- and here's 60 minutes of them, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> Think of how many minutes you spend <laughs> queuing. I don't, I don't, it's stuff like that, the genuine queuing. Modern, you know? oh, I, I stood behind somebody who can't use a self-service uh, table. Yeah, in, yeah. Uh, in like, I just think now the, the amount of minutes you, 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 you spend agonising over just being frustrated by t- things that happen in Irish yeah. football. Like that, that definitely, like I'm going to add up those minutes at some stage and go, oh, just like, I mean, obviously, you know, you, you do care about this, but like, Someone, if I ever saw a stat tally on of those minutes, it would just be like, 
God. Yeah. I feel like Mick Kennedy's speech is after triggering an existential it's, it's, crisis. I, I think he's, I mean, he's clearly well, clear not with his team. His team no. was, With it you, though. His team yeah. managed to focus on the next 90 minutes, whereas everyone else listening is thinking, what am I doing with my life? Yeah, yeah. I'm not beating Aberdeen. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, that should open some, some, open some doors for him, that speech there. 100%, yeah. I mean, uh, have you noticed this, though, lately? Like, there's, there's definitely a lot more... Uh, we're getting a lot more of this. Like, access stuff. Access, yeah. yeah. I kind of wonder, is it the, um, I think the lads were talking about here recently, it's the whole like spate of like the, the drive to survive and then, you know, it's spanning out for already like the Arsenal, the, you know, the, the, the Sunderland. You know, there's different versions, some, some more controlled than others, yeah. some, you know, better than others, but it's almost a thing now where it's like, I feel like there's actually a more media-friendly outlook from a lot of people now because they realise it can be good for them. 100% we're not playing that audio, though, and we never hear about the uh, microphones being in the Darville dressing room if Aberdeen go out and spank them well, five well, last night. Well, this is it. Yeah, well, I don't know, yeah. I suppose they did, they did do it across the water sometimes as well, don't they, in the sort of lower league games. Like, they actually do yeah. mic up the, the dressing rooms and stuff, and it's always the, the non-league stuff. I think on BT occasionally you get a little bit of that, but um, that's no harm. Yeah, yeah. well from Falkirk next for them in the uh, the Scottish Cup for Darvel. We'll keep a look out for their the results. Speaking of <coughs> moments, second best ninety minutes of your life, obviously, is <coughs> Falkirk. Speaking of minutes spent and dedicated to other causes that you care about, you're at the FAI AGM at the weekend. Dan. Well, there's some of those minutes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I suppose I've spent more minutes. I mean, in a bygone era, you would spend a lot of minutes at an FAI AGM that you'll never get back. Where yeah. there was actually nothing happened, uh, other than the sort of call to. To, to call to prayer style bugle which was just to go for lunch you know and that was basically it what was for lunch uh, well we didn't get, get it at the time this, this is back in the day ah, maybe, okay. maybe they did let us get, have lunch <laughs> we weren't let ask questions and we were, we, there was like there was a couple of AGMs where we were brought in uh, through an, an elaborate sort of uh, you know we couldn't walk through the main doors of the hotel so we had to be met by a security man at a special <laughs> door who like brought us in it was like a sort of a spinal tap thing as well people, you, couldn't, you couldn't risk making eye contact with the people at the top table back well, then it, well it, it wasn't even I mean it's one thing not being allowed to make eye contact with the top table but if you're not allowed to speak to like the delegate from I don't know, like sort of pick pick this, the smallest league affiliate in the country you can find. He'd probably be quite happy to like talk to, you know, to yeah, anyone absolutely. really at this stage, but clearly they, they might have caught something. So uh, it's a different thing now. Um, there was like a, well, it was this was actually a resumed AGM as I think you had the pleasure. The third go, I think. This you had the pleasure of covering the the first part of it, which was beset by. No, like the second part. The second part. Well, like the first part was essentially they weren't able to come to a, an agreement about how they were going to. Uh, meet their gender quota, which was obviously a, a condition of their yeah. reinstilled reinstatement of funding from the government. So the second part of that was to try and get the the election happening of of new independent directors, and that was beset by a complete technical farce, whereby everybody was asked to vote by email, and the email system that they were using for the votes was just not working. And it's like, I haven't received my email. I haven't received my email. And it's basically a Teams chat was scrolling in front of me of a lot of people going, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. Yeah. It sounded a bit like sort of uh, people doing a, a Zoom during COVID, like a big family thing or it's something. The, it, was, it was even people, worse than that. People for the first time sort of embracing some of this yeah. technology. Like it, was, it was an absolute disaster. Completely. And then they had to resume it again. So it was on, on yeah, in Saturday, uh, on Saturday in Dublin. 100 or so people participated but some of them were online um, most yeah. of them were in the room um, there was a couple of, as you mentioned one or, one new person onto the board 
uh, Neva Matany, and then there was the ratification of three others. Um, and he sort of assumed, I assumed that might be routine enough. But then there was a couple of speeches which showed there was a bit of uh, discord in the schoolboy football uh, world. And you know, Tom Brown, without getting bogged down into it, like Tom Brown, their mm. delegate, uh, lost 46 44. So I think I, I can't, someone was talking after, when was the last time you read an FIA GM where uh, someone like lost to the room? You know, normally like it would be, yes, there's been the election in recent times for a couple of positions, but just someone losing uh, to, we're not having you. Yeah. Um, that was that was unusual. I was just after, you know, a bit of democracy. You know, you can just taste the democracy in the air. <laughs> just, 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 you know, just uh, wafted in. As we all know, Dan, democracy has its downsides, uh, you know, um, but... One of them, I'd say that facetiously, obviously, but one one of the issues that you raised... Important clarification know, on yeah. FBI contacts. One, one, one of those issues that you raised, uh, was it on Saturday itself or maybe on Friday, was about the composition of, of the board yeah. and the needs to have gender balance, which obviously is an important thing, but the way this is shaken out from an FAI perspective is very lopsided. Yeah, and like, yeah, definitely have to be careful how you phrase this because it's not as if... I'm not saying like, you know, you're... I'm against the concept of a gender balanced board. Like it was obviously very important that changes like that uh, were brought in. I think the time scale you would have to say is possibly a little bit unrealistic in the, you know, to to look at the sort of the ecosystem where Irish football is at at the yeah. moment. Unfortunately, um, you know, you have a, a you don't have that representation down through the the committee channels or the sort of the constituencies feeding into it. Um, and I understand the argument for okay but you still have to meet this target at the top level but actually the target was meant to be met all the way down and they're just sort of getting it through at board level which is very cosmetic yeah. but then you will have um, just, 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 but I, again getting into it just, you have the board which is the main FEI decision making committee but you have ones below it which are very influential some of them have no women on it at all so that's not so then you say well we've met our gender talents you know tar- gender targets in some ways and we'll all maybe talk about the headline news and mm. go, okay fair play to them you know they're getting ahead of the game and actually it's not really reflective of what's happening and also you have a situation and this is sort of the central point of the piece where okay they need effectively five board members uh, to be female and they have elected one on the football side of the house because it's six independent and six from football, the football family yeah. one from the from the it was Neva Matt and he was only elected on on Saturday um and they have two females already, independent directors, Catherine Guy and Liz Joyce. But with Roy Barrett and Gary Tubick stepping away and because there's no eagerness, it would appear on the other side of the, the football family yeah. for people to step down um, to make way for a female representation there. Although it's possible there could be an opportunity now with um, Tom Brown losing his seat. It's a created situation where they're going to look for independent directors and they have to be female to meet the quota, which to me doesn't really make sense because I think, you know, to have a sort of a gender balance within the association, I think to have it on the football side, but the concept of independent directors is you go out into the market to see, okay, who can we find that's completely independent that can have the skill set to come in for us? And you're sort of going into that with your hands slightly tied a bit in the sense of saying, well, we can only 
this is open but sure. actually only to female candidates and like that sounds even if you say that out loud you think that sounds bad in a way but I think that's not surely what that side of the house should exist for mm. and you may end up getting four females and you end up seven and five balanced the other way that's fine but I think to present an image of you've really you know you're really the message is really hitting home about the need to have representation all the way up the balance should be on the football side rather than just filling up the independent, the independent side, side women, yeah. just to, to tick that box in a way. That's how it appears to me. Um, and I think there would be, and then and then you sort of hear people talking cynically, and this is the thing, they're like, well, maybe, you know, I've spoken to people who, who admit that this is a discussion. It's like, well, um, when you think about it, like, you know, maybe a great way to have your interests represented on the board now would be to elect female in your constituency. Yeah. And that's also the wrong, the wrong mindset. And it just speaks to the classic FEI thing that still exists that you talk to people around Irish football administration and it's all very much about people's patch and their power and not willing to cede their ground in their area. You know, well, if, if we have, you know, our person there, they'll do something for us rather than being this big collective. And like that is... I mean, that's Irish life. That's Irish politics. That's Irish life. <laughs> yeah, that's Irish, Irish politics. Yeah. You know, it exists everywhere, um, but it, it feels quite pronounced yeah. in the FBI when we, you know, there's so many big things that people just can't agree on at underage football. And, you know, a lot of things that need to be done in the next decade. A lot of it comes down to, well, what are they getting that we're not getting? And suspicion and paranoia and a degree of that. And that isn't gone. Yeah. Um, and that's why sometimes an issue, issue like this can sometimes just be a microcosm of the broader one Must be something interesting for the likes of Scott Cannon and for Mark, uh, yeah, Mark Cannon, yeah Mark Cannon, sorry yeah. and uh, for, for uh, Jonathan Hill who come in from the outsides to, to yeah. deal through those weeds and try to, to bash through them uh, On a similar domestic front there was your story today as well that um, I don't know how much of a, of a runner this was to begin with about Anthony Barry and a potential return for him not, not being uh, not being on the cards but also I guess the, the important side of things is that Stephen Rice perhaps isn't going yeah. to be heading off I think the Anthony Barry thing was a runner no was it, it was yeah. Okay. yeah it was yeah I think um, I think uh, it was something that had been I think discussed seriously enough and I think there was sort of a I think there was a feeling that Anthony Barry might have been up for it but um, when it's come to the crunch he's just decided not to go for it um, will it be that he ends up in Portugal with Roberto Martinez it's possible I think that's right. a possible scenario and that's you know you're competing with uh, uh, at a pretty attractive gig there potentially working on set pieces with Ruben Diaz and Pepe yeah I mean well is Pepe <laughs> still going I mean, he's still, I mean he's at the World Cup for I sure I know yeah, yeah because he got another campaign on him he probably does I mean I mean, there is Ronaldo as well, and a couple of those. Um, but yeah, um, Stephen Rice then, yeah, the chief scout analyst, he was on the shortlist for the Swindon Town job, but basically doesn't appear to have got that job. So yeah. that means that, yeah, he's around. So I think that they will replace Anthony Barry slash John, John Eustace. Eustace yeah. That number three spot will be filled. Um, before March? Before March, yeah. I yeah. think... Um, Certainly, all the all the the vibes are that would be the case. If 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 that's not the case, it'll be hard for them to sort of present it as this was always the plan. I think it's, it was actually said at the weekend at the at the FEI event that no, there will be a number three in, and sort of I'm getting the the feeling it may not be too far away. Was Barry then part of the? Was was there obviously a group of similar to the way Swindon? I guess we're picking out a new manager that Rice was part of the consideration process. Is Barry one of a number, or was he the standout candidate? And then there's I think if Barry was willing to come back, he'd be in straight the, back. He'd in. be back in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes sense because 
there's no introductions to be done like it's not yeah. ideal I mean what I think they would probably feel sometimes you get that sense from from what Stephen Kenny has said before there might be too much focus on the staff and, and um, there's no doubt that like Anthony Barry coming in you know not having to know like knowing everyone pretty much already is a huge advantage it's not ideal for players to meet a new coach on the training ground yeah at a very important time so uh, the power of someone's personality needs to be very strong to sort of overcome that um, on the finally from the FAI standpoint they have a couple of big commercial deals do they have any real timeline in the offing as regards when because in that previous uh, attempt at the AGM um, before Christmas I think it would have been obviously at this stage um, they were saying that the commercial deal in place for the kit supplier was the biggest commercial deal that the association has ever done on any front so it's a huge thing, but they've also got the rebrand tied into that too. Yeah, hugely excited about. It. I'm not like sort of. You know, some people are big into their kits, and you you possibly are as well. Like 100%, you, you strike me as someone who could be an aficionado in that in that world. Um, Call me a nerd on air, Dan. That's, uh, that's one person's nerd is another person's <laughs> aficionado, whatever. Um, but like they are, they are, they have been talking in excited terms about this. The expectation is that it's going to be uh, a story. It's not confirmed and they never they refused to confirm it they were certainly um in the mix um and yeah they, they seem very excited about this deal and that's going to be tied in with a rebrand with a, a new, new crest logo a new yeah. crest and i mean people are so relentlessly sort of skeptical of the fei and everything that they do <laughs> i feel like this is going to be a default mode of mocking this regardless of whether it's good or not nothing ever as regret nobody can ever launch a new logo or a new brand identity like that and it will be Universal. Nobody. It won't be every universally accepted. No matter who it is, it could be. I don't know. It could be AIB. It could be ourselves. It could be the FAI. Yeah. It could be Lions T. Whoever puts out a new brand, like most people, the vocal element will be like, "Don't like it. It's awful." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I mean, do you have any effect? Like, do you have any affection for the current one? No. It, and it's not just because it's. Um, I won't say associated with a bad period in Irish football, but it's there's nothing. It's it's a very corporate looking logo, and the fact that it, whoever designed it knocked one up for Israel in the same afternoon, that kind yeah. of takes away from it too. It sort of it feels like it belongs on a on a shirt in the two thousands. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. it has that sort of vibe off it. And it's been there. Like I think people forget that it's been there a while. And even the ones that people would regard as classics, the circular, the orange outline, wasn't it, with the green shamrock yeah. and football. So that was only brought in in like the mid-80s, I want to say the 86, mm. no, 86, eight, Euro 88 qualification campaign probably was the day See, before. This is where the kit nerds come to the fore. I just, I, I don't have a great There was different from. versions of it. There was like the, the, the shamrock and then there was a weird version in around the time that they had that quote-unquote Kerry jersey uh, for one international and yeah. Yeah, but, like, but there's no doubt there's less is more with that to some degree I think yeah. that that's I think if they're reading the room and even the success of that blue shirt, that sort of special edition shirt yeah. a couple of years back, people want that sort of style. Minimalism. Yeah. Minimalism is so good. That's what they'll go for. And cash is the most important thing here, though, really. It does, though. I mean, you just can't get away from it. I mean, um, like, sometimes I complain about the excessive focus in a way of, like, uh, you can't just all rely on, like, qualifying for tournaments, qualifying for tournaments. But ultimately, like, that is the main driver of revenue is qualifying for competition. And beyond that, the only way you can sort of paper over the cracks of not doing that is like incredibly strong, you know, commercial well, That's the one thing uh, that struck deals. me from that statement that, I think it was Roy Barrett that mentioned it, and perhaps it was Jerry McEnany, so forgive me, it was definitely one of the two because they were on that conference call afterwards. 
but when they said that this was actually with Jonathan Hill um, when they said this is the biggest commercial deal ever done I was kind of thinking alright that's great and then my head was thinking what the hell was the commercial par- department if there is one there doing prior to them well I think one of the things when and this is why the, the, the search for the men's team sponsor has become a bit of an issue um, for them was I think initially when people came in there they felt that the value of the deal they had previously with um, with three they felt they could maybe get more yeah. you know in the market for it um, and clearly felt it was underperforming in some ways relative to say other things and this goes back to like uh, the, the Delaney era FEI where obviously very centrally controlled and every deal was packaged as a great deal and maybe people would step back from it and go well, were all of those deals really great deals yeah. were, you, were you really doing great deals there at all but unfortunately now the fact they haven't been able to secure a men's team sponsor I think they probably went looking for too much uh, relative to maybe what they thought it could be worth initially and now they're in a situation where they're very much talking in positive terms about well this 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 kit deal is going to be transformative mm. and these are big words to be using um, for you know to to an audience who are just used to Irish football being broke uh, because of years of what happened so um, people will, will naturally <laughs> they don't want to hear this is transformative it's reducing the debt burden you know they want they want they want to feel like they're seeing something from this too yeah yeah well I'm sure all will be uh, revealed before uh, France roll into town indeed La- was it Lafayette before then as well or Lafayette which yeah. I mean I, the Evan Ferguson factor could make that a better event than people would have thought when it was announced I think uh, how many people would go and see Evan Ferguson play now if, you, if they know he's starting I think more people would go to that game than would have been thinking of going to it all I'm hearing is Dan we're winning the Euros in uh, in 2024 yeah, it's a yeah. nailed on fact football brought to you by Sky here and off the ball watch all the football you love including the biggest Premier League games every weekend live on Sky we should mention it is still scoreless with 18 minutes to play at St Mary's Southampton nil, Newcastle nil. Joe Linton has missed an absolute sitter for Newcastle and since then Southampton have probably had the balance of the play and indeed the chances uh, Dan thanks so much for coming in no worries football on off the ball with Sky. Get all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports.